After today, the year 2022 will be 22.7% complete, a statistic that appears both appropriate and confounding. This is the 353rd edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a program that only contains a fraction of the stories that I would like to be telling, but efforts to increase efficiency are always on an upward trajectory. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, and on today's program, Charlottesville City Council appears poised to approve a 28-unit apartment complex on a cul-de-sac in Fifeville. Governor Glenn Youngkin summons the General Assembly to return to Richmond on April 4th to complete a budget. The Charlottesville Human Rights Commission holds a town hall meeting on housing issues tonight, and the Great Eastern Management Company offers the public a chance to weigh in on a plan to redevelop Seminole Square Shopping Center to add 352 apartments. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the Morvan Summer Institute at Morvan Farm wants you to know about a seminar coming up on March 29th. How are UVA students, faculty, and community partners collaborating to tell the stories of Morvan? Researcher Scott French has spent over 10 years studying Morvan's history and will provide glimpses into a course he'll be teaching this summer on Recovering the Stories of Morvan's Enslaved and Descended Communities. The March 29th event is a chance for the public to get a preview of the four-week course. If you're interested, visit morvan.virginia.edu to fill out an interest form. The Virginia General Assembly adjourned earlier this month without completing work on a budget. They also left several bills pending. Now, the head of the executive branch has called them back to Richmond to complete the work early next month. In a proclamation yesterday, Governor Glenn Youngkin asked for them to meet in special session commencing on the fourth day of April 2022. In a statement, Youngkin said he wants the budget to include a tax cut, but also an increase in spending on education, law enforcement, and the behavioral health system. Youngkin also wants the General Assembly to pass legislation that would suspend Virginia's 26-cent gas tax for three months. Graham Mumaw reported in the Virginia Mercury last week that that could cost Virginia $437 million in transportation funding. The Legislative Information System lists 48 bills still pending, including the budget bill. A total of 166 bills were carried over to the 2023 session. Youngkin has signed 31 bills into law, including one that makes switchblade knives legal again. Other blackjacks, such as throwing stars, remain illegal. Another approved bill will change the process by which accommodations intermediaries pay their transient occupancy taxes, though guidelines won't be published by the Virginia Department of Taxation until August 1st. The nine-member body appointed by City Council to provide citywide leadership and guidance in the area of civil rights wants you to consider attending a meeting tonight. City Councilor Michael Payne made this announcement at Monday's council meeting. The Human Rights Commission would like to hear from the public on emergency housing access and the quality of affordable public and subsidized housing. That will take the form of a virtual town hall meeting that will be held tonight at 7 p.m. They'll be working off of a community survey that got 128 responses. 
The top two responses are the subject of the meeting, where people will have up to three minutes to discuss. You can learn more in a press release that's in the newsletter. City Council adopted an affordable housing plan on March 1, 2021, as the first step in the Seville Plans Together initiative. The major themes in the plan are a commitment to spend $10 million each year on affordable housing programs, reforming the governance for how that funding is allocated, and to adopt reforms to encourage more housing all across the city. Charlottesville City Council appears willing to support three land use applications that would allow 28 units to be built on about two-thirds of an acre on a cul-de-sac in Fifeville. Lorvin Investments needs a rezoning, a special use permit, and a critical slopes waiver. Here's City Planner Matt Alfali. The development being proposed are for four, four low-rise apartment buildings with eight one-bedroom units and 22-bedroom units for a total of 28 units on the site. By right, the developer could have gotten three duplexes, but only with a boundary line adjustment. Here's Councillor Cena McGill. Six houses down there versus 28 when we desperately need housing. It's really difficult to say no to that. However, both McGill and City Councilor Michael Payne had questions about the terms of affordability provisions, and the item will come back to Council for a second reading at their next meeting on April 4th to clear that matter up. The out-of-town developer has agreed to contribute $48,000 to build pedestrian improvement somewhere off-site, as well as to commit eight of the units to be income-restricted for a period of at least 10 years. The Planning Commission voted 4-3 to three earlier this month to recommend approval. Traffic affordability of units, scale of the buildings, um, were the main points of focus from the Commission. In addition, members of the community who spoke uh, brought up characters of the development as it relates to the surrounding neighborhood, anticipated problems with parking, and the poor condition of Valley Road Extended, Civil engineer Justin Shimp represented the applicant, and he said the affordability proffer echoes the city's housing policy, and it is legally binding. There are terms spelled out within on uh, how much the rent will be, and then also the rent limitations on both income and then on the folks, uh, what the price, the rental price is. Shimp said there was no subsidy involved and that the developer will assume the cost of providing the units below market. Depends on what you calculate market rent in the area, but I think it's somewhere around a two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand dollar commitment on this project to affordability. One question is how the city will enforce the affordability. The city has been without a housing coordinator since the summer of 2020. Here's city attorney Lisa Robertson. Whether or not somebody's compliant will need to be determined by the zoning administrator down the road. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade had a question about the length of the affordability period. I mean, 10 years, that's is that what we typically, you know, use as um, the time period? Uh, it seemed kind of short. Robertson said there is no standard length for Charlottesville and that in this case, the developer was offering the affordability on a voluntary basis above and beyond the minimum requirements of the zoning code. That will change as the zoning code is rewritten to include provisions where this kind of density would be allowed only if units were provided below market. We don't really have a standardized program yet. 
Wade also wanted to make sure that University of Virginia students do not end up taking units that he thought should go to low-wealth families. Will voucher holders be able to take advantage of this location? Yes. That was the you know part of what we were encouraged to look into with the planning commission. And then part of the, the, the units being split is you have some that are, you know, all eight of them become voucher eligible. Before the discussion, one member of the public argued that the subsidized low rents that would be provided at Grove Street would outweigh any concerns over traffic. Here's Joshua Karp. I think with more apartments on that street, the, car, the cars will drive slower. But I think that's okay. Councillor Michael Payne noted that this use appears to be in excess of what's allowed under the new future land use map that designates this area as general residential. What justification, where at the project in terms of affordability are we at in terms of justifying going beyond our adopted land use map that, you know, did have density increase throughout the city, but had, you know, land use designations that we decided on. Shemp said that was up to the city council to decide. In this case, he said the undeveloped nature of the three lots are a perfect opportunity to add density. This site in particular has, there's not a tree on it. There's a degraded stream we're going to fix. This is one site that, you know, clearing it all and building housing on it is is 100% improvement for all parties involved. Shimp said the proposal fulfills the spirit of the new comprehensive plan. Strategy 1.3 of the land use chapter is to... Implement zoning changes needed to support the creation of more housing, including affordable housing opportunities throughout the city. Mayor Lloyd Snook said the city does not have enough money to make major improvements to Valley Road Extended. What's concerning generally is the narrowness of the street or the fact that there is no street definition on one side. There is street definition on the other side because there's a guardrail keeping you from going into the creek. Snook said if council does approve this project, they should expect that neighbors will report issues in the future. He said on balance, he would support the project because of the provision of new houses. The item will come back to council on April 4th for a second reading. There appeared to be at least three votes to approve. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for today's second subscriber-supported shout-out. Are you ready for Mulch Madness? The Rivanna Solid Waste Authority has a free mulch giveaway through April 16th. In between all of the big games, the RSWA wants you to get your yard ready for spring. If you have a way to transport mulch, head on over to the Ivy Material Utilization Center between 7.30 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Saturday, where you can pick up to two tons for free. Rivanna staff are available to help you load, but ask that you bring a covering. Mulch is double ground and derived from vegetative materials that are brought to Ivy for disposal. That's Mulch Madness at the Ivy Material Utilization Center. Visit rivanna.org to learn more. One more story about land use today. Members of the public had the opportunity Wednesday to ask questions of the developers of Seminole Square Shopping Center. 
The Great Eastern Management Company has submitted plans to convert the former Giant store and other commercial sites. David Mitchell is with GEMC. What we have here actually are four individual structures. With We're staying within the existing development areas. We're not going down into the slopes or into the critical areas. We're staying up on the platform that was built 30 years ago. Mitchell said this is a buy-right plan and will not require a rezoning or a special use permit. One structure will be a mixed-use building, and the rest will all be residential. Parking would be underneath, and Mitchell said the minimum requirements would be met. Another commercial building will be built along Hillsdale Drive, but Mitchell said there are no identified tenants. Planning Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg asked how the project was different from the previous plan. GEMC filed for a rezoning in early 2019 for 11 five-story buildings with around 500 residential units. Um, obviously, the building configuration looks a little bit different. Um, in particular, uh, what caused uh, the number of units uh, to drop? Mitchell said the reduced number comes down to parking requirements and construction costs. When we started to look harder at this after that initial plan you saw three years ago, it became obvious to us that, you know, we these buildings are already going to be five to seven stories with underground parking. Um, to get to get any more than that is, I mean, this is not downtown New York. <laughs> uh, there are limitations on the economics. The units will be either one-bedroom or two-bedroom units, no three-bedrooms or above. 5% will be set aside for affordable under the city's existing affordable housing policies. It's not required because this is by right, but we just decided we would, we've done it on another project that was a special use permit, so it was required. And we just, we think we can provide those um, in the economic uh, structure of the project. Two public streets would be created as part of the project. In addition to Stolzenberg, only one other person actually took advantage of the opportunity to speak. That was Peter Krebs of the Piedmont Environmental Council, who asked questions about connectivity. Mitchell said GEMC would like to move forward with the project as soon as possible. The company is also offering an easement for a trail connection to the Meadow Creek Stream Corridor. This is not available online, but if you'd like to hear the recording, drop me an email. I'll be happy to put it someplace where anybody can hear it. It was a public meeting after all, and perhaps the only one. Uh, Still trying to figure that part out, but that's what I'm here for, to pay attention. But that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for March 24th, the 83rd day of 2022. And this, of course, is episode 353. There's been a lot so far, and I'm almost up to a year in the 20 months that I've been doing this, and I've only been able to do this because of the support from all sorts of people, people paying through Patreon so that Town Crier Productions can get off the ground, and people who are paying through Substack. I really am grateful to everybody who is doing that, and uh, it's so if you are someone who is doing that, honestly, you've got my gratitude every single day. If you'd like to contribute, you can look at infoseville.com and click on the support the info button. And of course, you can also subscribe in Substack. And if you do, the company Ting will match your initial amount, which is fantastic. And I really am grateful to them for that. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, and you are the listener. And uh, drop me a line and tell me what you think. And until then, we'll be back in the near future with another episode. 
Maybe it comes out Friday. Maybe it comes out Saturday. I'm actually appearing on Keith Smith's real estate talk show tomorrow. And uh, so maybe that's in the morning. So we'll see if I get another one out before then. I'd like to because there's so much information out there and uh, we're getting there. Thanks again. Stay everything and uh, stay you later. Goodbye. Goodbye.